What's happening? Welcome in to another day, to another edition of the Starting Lineup Podcast version. What's happening out there? It's been a week since I've spoken to you. It's been a week too long. What's happening? Travis Sparks just hanging out with you, flying solo once again here today. Next week, Eric should be back from vacay and should be back on the uh, program coming up. Of course, got some things to talk about since the last time that we or I talked to you on the pod. Coming up, everything in Major League Baseball with the trade deadline slowly creeping up. What will the Cardinals do? Who will be a St. Louis Cardinal by the time that I talk to you and we talk to you next? We'll explore that and where the standing set so far. Busy day in the NFL yesterday with a lot of people getting paid and contracts being extended. And Saquon Barkley looks like he's going to be reporting to a Giants camp now. So fantasy owners, <coughs> me, can breathe a sigh of relief there. Also, some uh, college uh, football news. No, I'm not talking about uh, Northwestern. I am talking about Illinois teams, though. Hey, it's Big Ten Media Days there in Indy today. Uh, I'll touch a little bit on uh, that because Coach B, Coach Bielema, was uh, up there, and he's already spoken uh, this morning. So I'll hit up on a couple of interesting things that he said and. There's been some Illinois news going on uh, the last couple of days, so I'll definitely dive into uh, that here in uh, the uh, pod, as well as Michigan. Man, tough suspension for Coach Harbaugh, but I'll get into that here in just a second. And also got to uh, talk about uh, some NASCAR as well. I know Eric's the NASCAR expert, but I'm going to weigh in on what happened this past week in Pocono. And also update you on NASCAR Pick'em as well in the situation there, as well as the playoff situation there in NASCAR. All coming up on today's edition of the uh, starting lineup. And if you saw last week's title, 800 episodes. Hey, that would be nice if they have calculated that. But neither here nor there, that's what you'd come to expect from the uh, start in a lineup. But, uh, hey, 800 episodes. Uh, here's to 800 more. So uh, let's get it. But first, before we uh, let's get it, and the starting lineup would not be possible, of course, without you in a podcast listening land out there, but also would not be possible without uh, McMahon Meets, Tingley Insurance Agency, Worth Computer Repair, and Tatapla's State of Bank. So uh, we thank them for allowing us to be here through your airwaves or through your earbuds, wherever you're listening to uh, from or what other podcast form you're listening on. So, all right, and now uh, let's get into it. Lots to talk about from the uh, baseball world, but I think I'm going to start in a, a different place. That's right. Let's start in uh, college football, and let's start with the Illinois uh, Fighting Illini. A lot of things going on the last couple of days, and wow, what a what a hire yesterday uh, that the uh, Illinois Fighting Illini announced for their football squad. I'll get into uh, 
Coach Bielema, what he said at the Big Ten media days there in Indy coming up here in uh, just a second. But it came out yesterday, and this was kind of uh, out of nowhere, out of left field. But uh, the Illini announced that Jim Leonard, former head coach or former interim coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, was hired on as a senior football analyst and that is a huge hire for two reasons because the resume speaks for itself for coach Leonard and his time there at Wisconsin of course he was the interim coach after Paul Chris got fired last game that he coached was against us the uh, fighting Illini and then he took over and went a five and a three over his tenure uh, there and then Wisconsin decided to go in a, a different direction and hire Luke Fickle from uh, Cincinnati and he'll be the one guiding the uh, Badgers uh, this season but uh Jim Lillard, his resume at Wisconsin was outstanding, not only as a coach, but as a player as well. One of the best defensive players in Wisconsin history, and he went on to play 10 years or 10 seasons in the NFL. But uh, his resume is great at Wisconsin. He spent six seasons as the Wisconsin defensive coordinator from 2017 to 2022 which that means he never crossed paths with uh, Coach Bielema during his regime there in Wisconsin because uh, Coach B coached, of course, 2006 to 2012 there at uh, Wisconsin. But uh, he has served as the interim coach last year, as I mentioned, and he uh, was a very impressive at doing so. He became a defensive coordinator less than a year after starting his coaching career and went on to be named a finalist for the Bryles Award presented to the nation's top assistant coach in his first season running Wisconsin's defense in 2017. And I know that the Illini always trot out the press releases and whatnot and talk them up, but uh, this is great for uh, Illinois because Wisconsin's defenses were one of the nation's most complete and high-performing units during his time in Madison. Coach Leonard's first five seasons as a D coordinator in Wisconsin, they ranked among the nation's top five in total defense and top ten in scoring defense four times. During that time, the Badgers ranked third in scoring defense, first in total yards allowed, first in passing efficiency defense, third in rushing defense, and first in opponents' third down conversions with only converting 30.5% of the time. And the Badgers forced 112 turnovers over that span, tied for the fourth most among Power 5 programs. And also in 2021, Wisconsin was on another level. They allowed just 239 yards per game, the third best mark in school history and the lowest total at Wisconsin there since the 50s. And it was the fewest yards allowed by an FBS team since 2011. So home run higher here for Illinois. Scooping up Coach Leonard uh, from Wisconsin. And the only reason that this a uh, reason wouldn't be a grand slam hire is because I hope that he's not just a rental. I hope he's here for the long haul. I hope he's here for more than just uh, one season and someone doesn't become smart and uh, scoop him up as a uh, head coach for a college program or he doesn't take a defensive coordinator job at the next level in the NFL. A few years ago, he was 
he actually turned down the uh, Packers defensive coordinator job. Um, and one of the reasons why he's not a head coach at a college football program this season, apparently he's coming off some health issues. Now, those health issues sounds a lot worse than it actually is. Uh, the health issues that are in question here is that he's coming off hip surgery. So uh, with recovery and surgery here at the beginning of the season, he can't stand for long periods of time on the sidelines and whatnot. So uh, he'll just be uh, hired on as a senior football analyst. And analysts aren't allowed to be on-field coaches nor go on the road to recruit players, but they can help prepare game plans and conduct film reviews with the players and his role with the Illini actually was became clear with uh, Coach Bielema there at the uh, podium uh, today at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, he says that he's going to use him in all three phases. He won't be with us on game days, but will be in the office during the week. But he'll be back in Wisconsin with his family on uh, the weekends, and that seems to be right on point with uh, analysts who aren't allowed to be on the field and whatnot. So, uh, hey, he gets the best of both worlds there. He gets to uh, game plan as a coach and conduct film reviews and uh, help manage players. And then on the weekends, goes right back and spends time with his family. And that was also one of the reasons why uh, he was not hired on as a uh, another head coaching gig as well. He wanted to spend more time with his family there as well so absolutely home run hire here for illinois as they're going to get help there on the defensive side from the coaching staff and the demise of the illinois fighting illini defense is going to be greatly exaggerated i know that i was a little worried personally with uh, coach walters taking the head coaching gig there at purdue uh, coach Henry was elevated from the defensive back coach to the D coordinator and didn't have the best bowl game, but, you know, we were without some of our better players in uh, the secondary there as they set out the uh, bowl game there. So I'm looking forward to uh, Coach Henry. He seems like a cool dude, and the players seem to love him uh, there, and he obviously did a great job with the defensive backs, and uh, we'll see what he does there, and he'll have one of the – best minds, defensive minds at least uh, from the Wisconsin era there with him game planning for the Illini this fall and another reason why this is a home run hire is because Coach Leonard, we're not even paying him, that's right, Wisconsin they are paying his salary for 2023 and up until January of 2024, they gave Coach Leonard a $1 million buyout in equal monthly installments from March to January 2024, subject to withholdings. Leonard would have had money taken out of the payment if he took a job as a head coach or D coordinator with an NFL or FBS college team, which obviously did not happen. So boy, oh boy, how about that, Wisconsin? Not only do you not hire him as uh, your new head coach, but you're paying him and you're going to pay him to a game plan against you coming up on October 21st for the homecoming game as uh, the Badgers will be there in Champaign-Urbana. So absolutely knocked it out of the park with this hire as a senior football analyst for Coach Leonard, one of the best minds there coming into the Illini room on defense. So people, we ain't going anywhere. I know 
when we get closer to a college football season, we'll talk about it more. But I'm super excited about the uh, football season uh, this year. I think that we're going to show people. We're going to – we're gonna. I know some people are still on the fence. Eric probably will be too. So on the fence about whether, you know, okay, they put it all together. They flirted with us and gave us false hope and all this, yada, yada, yada. But, hey, we are slowly – building a program here and coach Bielema is doing an amazing job here as well and another interesting thing that uh, coach B said there at the uh, program he signed a contract extension this offseason and it has a, a no compete clause with any Big Ten school so if he takes another job he won't be in as a bit at a Big Ten program. He said that he found his home and he hopes that this Illini coaching job will be his final coaching stop there. So love that. Not going anywhere for Coach B there and clearly wants to be here with Illinois and clearly starting to build things up. And hey, we lost our D coordinator, new head coach, but that's no problem because we got some pretty good coaches in the locker room there and coach Bielema not going anywhere with recruits as well and also something with this hire for coach Leonard something that doesn't normally happen with Illinois Twitter and that was overwhelmingly positive reviews everyone on Twitter or whatever we're calling it today I mean it's branded now X which is gonna get used to but positive reviews for the hiring of coach Leonard that's kind of completely opposite of the other day. This is the Illini social media that I know and love or have a love-hate relationship uh, with. But uh, Tuesday, or yesterday was Tuesday, on Monday, it was revealed the new football uniforms. They finally came out. I know that Coach Bielema had said that there had been some delay in uh, production. That's why they're so late in rolling these out, but new football unis are here and i kind of dig them Uh, of course that's no surprise to anyone that normally listens to the show i love them you know do they look a lot like syracuse yes but hey you know i think this is a clean fresh start here with the uniforms because we're trying to get the stank of that previous regime and get that just shake off Coach Beckman and Coach Lovey Smith trying to get that off of us. And it's new, it's fresh, it's clean, it's all about branding, people. Do you know anything about business? We're trying to brand the eye block. It's all over the place with these uniforms. They're on the jersey, the pants, the helmet. I know that some people are kind of upset about the color combinations and whatnot, but just because they debuted those uh, three, the white on white, White on orange, blue on orange. I know those are going to be tweaked, I would have to say, eventually and whatnot. I like them. I think people will learn to love them. It'll grow on them. I think some people like the stripe on the jersey. Some people don't. I don't mind it. I think it'll grow on people. And I think this was now. Is it? Houston, Tennessee Titan throwback Houston Oiler uh, fresh. No, I mean, those are awesome. Is it Seahawks throwback? As much as that pains me to say as a Rams fan, 
Seahawks throwbacks, those are nice. Those are fresh. But I think it's a, a clean new look. Recruits love this stuff. And I know that it got some hate with uh, Nike just kind of refurbishing the Syracuse kind of template. But uh, I don't mind them. And I can't wait until they go on sale. I want them on sale today. I want them on sale yesterday. I want to pick mine up. And I can't wait to uh, get one of these new uh, Lionite jerseys. And maybe I'll get a name on the back. Hey, throw some uh, NIL money to some of these players. Maybe uh, the law firm, Newton Randolph, possibly. Maybe a certain freshman from Arthur, possibly, on these new jerseys. We'll have to see. I I can't wait to get one. But uh, one of the reasons why that I love and despise social media, Line Nation. Uh, the trolls were out. The haters were out. Cool. Now go get some wins. Don't care. Just win on the field. Why are we getting new uniforms when we need to win? <sighs> and this one I love. Not good enough. It doesn't have the chief on it. Hard pass. <sighs> hey, people, it's 2023. Chief is never coming back. As much as I love Chief like the next person, he's not coming back. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we just need to get over it. I love the retro stuff, and you can tell a true blue uh, Illini fan by having Chief Illini Wake on their stuff, but he's never coming back. And I don't ever think that he was on, the Chief was ever on the football helmets or uniform in general. I could be wrong. Of course, it's not going to satisfy everyone. Uh, my sweet spot was uh, the Illini with uh, white lettering on it, with spelling out Illinois on the orange helmets. That's what I love. That's what I grew up on. I know that uh, Illini, the helmets just said Illini on it, and also had the script lettering, kind of or the cursive lettering, kind of like the football uniforms have. I would like to see that as a comeback as well. But of course, you can't replicate the old school ones with the Dick Buckus helmet there with the stars and the numbers on them. But uh, look, I think it's fresh, it's new, and it's very cool uniforms. I kind of dig the new threads, and it's been long enough, and it was unveiled on Monday. So, uh, hey, it could be a future or a late birthday present uh, for me with the Illini jerseys there. All right. And the other thing that in uh, college football that came out yesterday was that uh, Michigan, they are suspending Coach Harbaugh, or Michigan and the NCAA agreed to uh, suspend Coach Harbaugh through the first four games of the season due to some recruiting violations and uh, also during some uh, during the investigation he reportedly uh, lied or had some misinformation uh, he, he said that he didn't lie to the investigators but maybe he just didn't tell the truth or didn't tell all the details and hell this spans all the way for recruiting violations during COVID is what this investigation uh, was all about so uh, everyone knows kind of how crazy of a time that was but man really came down hard on this punishment with the first four games 
I mean, just an absolute gauntlet for the Michigan Wolverines at the beginning of the season. I mean, they start off against East Carolina. Wow, that's super tough. Then it gets even tougher with UNLV, and they're up against Bowling Green. And then the Big Ten opener against Rutgers. Wow, what a gauntlet that he's going to be missing. And I was listening in on the first take this morning as well, and Mr. Uh, Mad Dog was upset about this as well. And part of the coach Harbaugh can be with the team up until game day, and then he has to leave. What kind of suspension is this? First four games, soft first four games, and gets to be with the team all the way up until game day. It's not a real suspension. And what a, a pathetic suspension that is. Jeez. All right, so uh, let's move away uh, from uh, college football and let's move into uh, some Major League Baseball. Oh, man, you know, that was – we were flying high. I say we, Cardinals. We were doing good. There we had that win streak going on and then – uh, we lost the weekend to the Cubs. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> uh, Saturday's loss wasn't wasn't great. I think it was Saturday. Everything kind of bleeds together, and the weekend kind of bleeds together uh, for me. But uh, yeah, it was. Or was it the Friday's game? It was Friday's the afternoon game? No, it was Saturday. It was Saturday, uh, with uh, the whole Burleson calls there and the strikes or the balls that were called strikes. Yeah, that was pretty pretty ridiculous uh, there. So a weekend changes everything. The Cardinals were feeling good, and then they lose three or four. Um, and then even the last couple of days with the Diamondbacks have been up and down. Uh, Monday, Wainwright got the start and. He looked pretty decent from comparison to what he has been uh, this season. And he said that he felt great, and he was actually adamant that he was starting this game. Uh, he was just supposed to throw a bullpen session, but instead he went out and started. And it was in line for the win. 199 was in was his. But, of course, the uh, Cardinals bullpen blows it, and uh, they let the Diamondbacks come back, and... They tie it up, and Evan Longoria has a clutch hit. But then the Diamondbacks, been disappointing since the All-Star break. I'll get into them later, but uh, their bullpen blows it. It's kind of been a problem for them here to start off the second half. But uh, Chafin blows it there, and the Cardinals score five runs in the ninth, and they come back, and uh, Hicks close it down, and they win 10-6, to and then... Uh, last night, I'm recording here on Wednesday. Last night, they lose 3-1 uh, to because the bullpen blows it again. <sighs> Steven Matz, you know, as much as I've hated on him, rightfully so sometimes. But, I mean, ever since the that White Sox game, he pitched good before the break. That game, he pitched pretty decent when I was there. Uh, last Saturday against the Nationals, early on at least. And then last night he was great. Five innings, shutout ball. But the offense was nowhere to be found last night. And offense has got to be better. Got to get him more 
run support. Got to get him more than one run. That one run was a stolen base. Uh, Donovan stole home. So that was the only run that the Cardinals could uh, scratch across here. So I feel bad for uh, Wainwright. feel bad for uh, Mats that back-to-back games, Cardinals blow it uh, in the ninth. And what, I saw 23 blown saves this season. We would be right in the thick of things if we didn't have these blown saves. And if we didn't have like 10 blown saves... <laughs> We would still uh, have 12 blown saves or whatever the number is. But uh, it's the first is coming up close. Uh, we might have to have an emergency uh, podcast if stuff goes down uh, by the trade deadline. But uh, the plan is to just go forward with uh, Wednesday's uh, show next week with Eric back that that is the plan but uh, we're getting close we're getting down to the nitty gritty here and uh, Jeff Passens has weighed in on what the Cardinals will do uh, Katie Wu uh, from the Athletics she's weighed in on what uh, the Cardinals were going to do and first of all I'll start off with the news that early last week uh, that the Cardinals put the untouchables. Who are the untouchables that the Cardinals will build around for next season as they're going to be sellers but not complete sellers as the untouchables, obviously, Nolan Arenado, Goldschmidt, those are the top two. Also, top prospect and Jordan Walker, he's safe. And the fourth untouchable that they're not even going to listen to any trades on is Lars Newbar. So those are the core four that they're going to want to build around in 2024, at least from an offense perspective. And you know some head scratching of why Lars Newbar would be there, but you know he's he's fine, and I'm fine with him being an untouchable and not getting rid of him and whatnot. And hey, he's a good club guy. You need those guys in the locker room to to have that. So uh, I'm fine with him not being on the move, but uh, of course, we have a plethora of outfielders uh, there, but uh, Katie Wu reported that uh, Tyler O'Neill putting that on hold on the back burner, now that he's back in the lineup, and uh, some of his injury history has been uh, concern for possible return if we would ship him out, so looks like Tyler O'Neill is not going anywhere. They're at least going to put that on hold for now, but also according to uh, Jeff Passens, that uh, he's heard that St. Louis is telling teams that they plan on to move on from Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, Paul DeYoung, and perhaps even Jordan Hicks. And then uh, Katie Wu talked about uh, Jordan Hicks, about the Cardinals looking to possibly have an extension for Jordan Hicks. If a deal could not be agreed upon, then they would look for him to be moved. I don't really get that. I think that they should probably just move on uh, from Hicks. Yeah, he throws 103 miles an hour, but he can be kind of wild sometimes and whatnot. And at least we should just try to see what we get from him, from a contender or someone that wants to do good things in the bullpen this season. Can always Contenders can always use a a flamethrower uh, there. I love that Paul DeYoung now is on the uh, potential chopping block. 
we held on to him for so long. We were like, no, we're not going to acquire a shortstop. We got a shortstop. Paul DeYoung is in waiting. And then also that uh, ticks me off that Tommy Edmond. Uh, Tommy Edmond is on the IL right now dealing with an injury. So he most likely uh, wouldn't be moved. But I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility. But since you would possibly ship off Paul DeYoung, it's clear that, hey, we tried to make it work. But just had some flashes. But overall, hasn't worked. Uh, you would think that if you're getting rid of Paul DeYoung, now you could have to watch the MLB service time, but you would have to think that someone down in the minor leagues would be coming up to play some shortstop if the Cardinals are completely out of it. And, of course, that would be one of the top prospects in the Cardinals organization and Mason Wynn. Uh, again, you have to look on how much time that he would have in the major leagues, but kind of get him up here, get seasoned, and get used to uh, being around the big club and see big league pitching. And what? Why not? If you're out of it, might as well, right? Uh, but then if you bring Mason Wynn up, you would throw Tommy Edmond, well, wherever. If you don't get rid of him, he could play second. He can play out in the outfield. Didn't we just say last season that one of the reasons why at the trade deadline we didn't acquire a shortstop and we didn't go out and get a shortstop in the offseason was that we had a gold glove shortstop and his name was Tommy Edmond? And now we're going to move him around? What's the difference between moving on from a guy like Paul DeYoung and getting a shortstop or just acquiring a shortstop in general a year ago to now? What? There's no difference. So, again, we're just – the front office is throwing darts at a dartboard and uh, they're putting f their faith and all their eggs in a basket that are not paying off. So – I don't really get that, so that kind of ticks me off. Uh, even though it hasn't been reported by Jeff Passens or anything like that, and I haven't heard anything from any other uh, B writers, Derek Gould or not, or whatnot, but there was a report that uh, Wilson Contreras could potentially be on the trading block. <sighs> That's a big eye roll. Like, I, I swear, it, if... If that happens, that's why I would say that we might need an emergency press conference. If the Cardinals deal Wilson Contreras here at the deadline, I I might just snap because he would have to be one of the biggest fumbles of the Cardinals organization uh, of my time. I, I can't remember a guy that the Cardinals have signed that has been a that the front office has tried to make a bigger scapegoat than Wilson Contreras. If he gets dealt, how is that going to look to other free agents that you want to attract to come to St. Louis to rebuild for 2024? Hey, I'm the new guy, and if something goes wrong, the front office is just going to blame me. How is that fair? I've never seen a guy have so much fan support and then have less faith that the front office has in a guy. Like, it just makes zero sense, and I hope that he doesn't get dealt. I love Wilson, and I think what has happened to him this season is completely unfair, and Mr. DeWitt and Mr. Moselak are completely fumbling this up, and 
if they fumbled up this rebuild, like, I mean, I guess they wouldn't really consider a rebuild. I guess retool, I guess you would say, and whatnot. We'll just have to see at the trade deadline. I understand people's uh, concerns about Montgomery and Flaherty, but their contracts are up at the end of the year. There's no guarantee that Montgomery would be back. I think there would be more of a chance that he would come back. I think Flaherty is gone at the end of the season regardless. So I would say get what we can out of him. And people are going to need pitching. Hey, look no further than the Diamondbacks. Look what's happened to them. They need some pitching in the bullpen. I I don't know if I would consider picks. Maybe a more reliable uh, target, but uh, hey, looks like Cardinals could potentially be uh, holding on to uh, Hicks there. Uh, Cubs, you're doing just fine. You took three out of the four against the uh, Cardinals, and then uh, last night uh, you won seven to three over the uh, White Sox. So you're on a little mini four-game winning streak. So you're kind of in that uh, middle ground that we always talk about of. They're not exactly buyers, but they're not complete sellers either. So kind of a funky place to be in. And, of course, you're going to come for four in St. Louis on the weekend. And then you're going to start next week uh, with four against Cincinnati there. And uh, the deadline is, of course, on Tuesday. So we'll look to see what the Cubs will be on that. And we'll also look to see what the Cardinals will be on that after the weekend series with the Cubbies. Uh, the Cards are hosting in Minnesota. And then uh, next weekend, they'll be against the Rockies uh, there. So uh, we'll see what the Cards and uh, Cubs do. Let's take a look at other uh, races that are getting uh, tighter. Uh, the NL East. That's getting uh, tight because uh, Baltimore over the uh, weekend, they had that uh, crucial four-game set with the Rays, and they went ahead and they took it as they took three out of the four against uh, Tampa. The only one they lost was a three-to-nothing loss on Friday, but uh, that allowed Baltimore to uh, leapfrog Tampa in the East standings, and now they're, as they stand now, one and a half games up on Tampa as we begin things here on Wednesday. Uh, Tampa is right in the ship, though, as they took the game last night against the Marlins. They won 4-1 to one while uh, Baltimore lost 4-3 to three against Philadelphia. Uh, coming up on the weekend, Tampa's got Houston uh, for three, and then uh, they start uh, things off next week with the Yankees, then the Bronx. So, uh, we'll see if Tampa, they don't normally do a lot of moving and shaking at the uh, deadline, but uh, we'll see what they do. We'll see what Baltimore does. They also got the uh, Yankees coming up this weekend, and then they are in uh, Toronto to begin uh, August. Uh, then next weekend they'll get the Mets uh, for three. But uh, Baltimore, how about that? They are 62-39. and a 39 on the season in their best stretch that they've had for the first 90-some games in 40-some years uh, that I saw uh, there. Uh, Toronto, they've been kind of 500 since the All-Star break. They're 6-5 and five since the break right now, and they're 6.5 back of the uh, East standings now. Uh, they do currently hold the uh, second wild, or the third wild card uh, spot, and Tampa is, is still 2 or 5 up in the wild card standings there. 
Uh, Boston, they've also on a little three-game mini streak uh, here. I know they beat the Braves the other night. They got a game tonight with Atlanta, and then uh, they got a weekend series with the uh, Giants in San Francisco. Uh, For the Yankees, Mm, they did not get off to a great start through the uh, second half. Not exactly what the Yankees needed if they wanted to be uh, buyers. One and six to uh, start the second half. And then they started to feel good. I don't know how good you should feel because you swept the team, but you swept the Royals. Big whoop. That ain't... They aren't heavy hitters at all. And then they got blown out last night, 9-3 to against the Mets in a two-game mini Subway Series uh, there. Uh, let's see. They play New York again, or was this the only time? No. I thought they played them again later in the season, but... Uh, then coming up this weekend, you're in Baltimore, and then uh, you start off next week in Tampa, and then you got Houston uh, to close out the week next week. So Yankees, 4-6 and six to start the second half, and you're two and a half back into the wild card, so you're at least you got a puncher's chance, but you're nine games out into the east. In the uh, Central, you got the Twins. They've been doing pretty good since the uh, All-Star break. They're 9-3 and three to uh, start the second half, while the Guardians have kind of been playing 500 uh, baseball as they're 5-6 and six to begin uh, the second half. And uh, the Guardians are trailing the Twins by three in the uh, uh, standings, and they are five-and-a-half back in the wild card. Uh, right now uh, for Cleveland, uh, Minnesota. They got a weekend series with the Royals coming up. And then, uh, like I mentioned, they're going to be in St. Louis to start off the week and start off the month of August. And then they got the Diamondbacks after the after the Cardinals series. Uh, Cleveland, uh, they got the White Sox for four coming up tomorrow. And they got the weekend series well, with the Sox. And then they uh, start off next week with uh, Houston. And the White Sox again uh, to close out next week. Into the uh, Central there. And then the West. Ah, we'll talk about things in the uh, with the Diamondbacks and the Marlins. But Texas. Mm-mm-mm. I told you that this would be the series to look out for to see if they were for real or not. I know that injuries have started to pile up for the Rangers and the uh, Corey Seager went on the IL, and I know that uh, Garcia went out in the lineup on Saturday and wasn't in on Sunday against the uh, Dodgers, but I know that he was there at least the last night. Uh, I saw Texas. They started off with that six-game win streak out of the break, and then they're 1-4 and four in their last five games. So basically, the sweeps that you had against Cleveland and Tampa are basically wiped out now with that one and four stretch here and you lost two or three against the Astros who are currently fighting and right there with you in the West. The Astros are now one game back here as I'm recording here with their last game tonight with the uh, Rangers. So yeah, Texas had that six game win streak to start off after the break, but then Houston only lost two games during that stretch. So the one and four start or one and four stretch that the Rangers have been on, Houston has made that right back up. So Texas is seven and four since the break. Houston seven and two since the break, or seven and three. 
they are since the all-star break. So, I mean, Rangers, what are you doing for too long? You could be looking up at the Astros. You did such a good job. You need to keep it going. Uh, the Astros are uh, up two games in the wild card right now. Number two, uh, Boston Trails, uh, one and a half. Yankees, two and a half. And then out west uh, with the uh, Angels there. They've been talked about. Some guy named Shohei Otani has been on the trading block or rumors of whether he's going to get moved or not. Angels have been 7-3 and three since the All-Star break. Like, I know they're way far down in the West standings. This organization has said that if they're right in the thick of things, Otani's not going anywhere. They're three and a half back in the wild card. That's not crazy. And the Angels organization are in a difficult place here. I think that, uh, well, we're not going to talk to you again until the after the break. I don't think Otani gets moved. I know it would be kind of smart to s- explore the option and see what kind of teams that are desperate in acquiring a generational talent as Shohei Otani is, but I think that the Angels organization are in a difficult spot. Uh, if you uh, keep Otani, you run the risk of him walking at the end of the season. But if you uh, trade him right now, I think this is kind of... I would equate it to if you're in a relationship with someone who's never been in a relationship before. They don't know what else is out there? They don't know. Like the Angels, I think they believe in their minds that they have a shot of re-signing Otani in the offseason. No one else thinks that, but they do. And you don't even want to give Shohei the possibility. Or I know he's kind of had glimpses in the All-Star games and whatnot, and he saw how uh, the crowd was in Seattle chanting for him to come sign there in Seattle. He already kind of knows, but he doesn't fully know. He he wants to be in the West Coast. So he, for now, likes where he's at. And yes, he wants to play for a contender and whatnot. But if you trade him somewhere else, he's going to look that, hey, the grass is greener on the other side. The Angels is what I know, but another situation might be better. So if you trade him away, you could lose him in the offseason by showing him, hey, life is better outside of Angels Stadium and the Angels organization. So, But right now, you have him inside, and he doesn't know anything different. So maybe he would be inclined to stay with the Angels if you keep him. There's no guarantee of that, but I think in their minds, the Angels' minds at least, they think that they have a shot at resigning him and whatnot. So I think with the Angels still three and a half back right now, I think they're going to keep him. I would be shocked if he was uh, dealt here at the break. So that's my official pick that uh, Otani's not going anywhere, uh, at least this season, I can say uh, for sure. Uh, back in the uh, National League in the East, man, thank goodness the Braves had a good first half because they've kind of stumbled out of the gates here, four and six. You know, they had a mini four-game losing streak and kind of snapped that. They took two of three in Milwaukee. 
They did lose the other night against Boston, but uh, thank goodness they had such a big lead. And thank goodness one of the teams that was up in the standings was the Marlins. What's happened, Miami? Total disaster to start the second half. One in nine since the break, including a six-game losing streak to start it off. Man, oh man, and maybe even longer. Uh, three, no, yeah, it was longer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight-game losing streak that it was to start off the second half. So, eesh, not good things. They finish up with Ray, the Rays tonight. They get an off day tomorrow, and uh, they get a weekend series with Detroit. And then they face Philadelphia for four games to start off next weekend. They get the Rangers next weekend. So uh, Marlins, they've fallen uh, completely off the face of uh, the wild card race because they currently now are one game back there in the wild card. They really had no shot at the division. Uh, they're 11 and a half out. Uh, Phillies, well, I thought they were doing good things. Uh, they had that three-game win streak. They took two or three against San Diego. They took the opening game against Milwaukee, but then uh, – they got it right back. They gave it all back. Four-game losing streak, and they're five and six since the break. They lost the other night against Baltimore. Uh, they did win last night, but we'll see what they do in the uh, series finale tonight. Uh, then they're against Pittsburgh this weekend, and then they start off, like I mentioned, they're against the Marlins to begin next week. So we'll see if the Phillies make some moves or not. Uh, the Mets, you know. They are obviously having a disappointing season. They're 17 and a half games out right now, but they're feeling all right after they beat up the Bronx Bombers last night. But they're 5-5 five and five since the All-Star break. So they're kind of in that, I don't say middle ground, but I'm going to say they're kind of like the Cardinals. I don't think they'll be complete sellers. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Max Scherzer gets moved or whatnot, or make, maybe make some significant uh, moves. But uh, we'll have to see. They got the Nationals for four uh, this weekend, and then they uh, start off the uh, week on Tuesday with the Royals. We'll see who's there in Kansas City when the Mets start there. I talked a lot about the Cubs and Cardinals and there are two other teams in the uh, thick of it in the uh, Central. Of course, the uh, Brewers, it was a uh, big series here at the beginning of the week. Right now, uh, Milwaukee won on Monday, and then they lost last night. And uh, they are off. They were off to a 5-1 start for the Brewers, but they kind of give it all back here as now they're 6-4 and four to uh, start the second half. So uh, currently... Only a half-game lead in the Central right now over the Reds. And the Reds, they stumbled out of the gates. They were 0-5 to start the All-Star break, including getting swept by those Brewers. Uh, but then they got it all right back. Five-game win streak. It was snapped on Monday against Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, hey. They're starting to uh, maybe turn things around after not starting off so hot uh, there. But uh, they're a half game out in the Central. They are the number one wild card spot right now in the National League. But they're only a half game up 
on the Diamondbacks and Giants right now in the uh, wild card. And one of the reasons why the wild card's still so close is because the Giants and uh, the Diamondbacks have been awful recently. Yeah, the Giants, they started off 5-0, and but recently, the last week or so, six-game losing streak for them. They lost 2-3 of against Cincinnati. They got swept by the Nationals, and then they lost their makeup game against Detroit. They did win last night 2-1 to over the A's, but my goodness, you know, had that great start to the second half after you closed out strong and you gave it right back with a six-game losing streak. And one of the reasons why you're still in the thick of things in the wild cards is because the Diamondbacks have been uh, poor. They got swept by the Blue Jays right out of the gates, and now they had a five-game losing streak. That was snapped last night with the Cardinals' bullpen implosion. So uh, well, they'll finish up with the cards today, and they're off on Thursday. They get Seattle this weekend, and then a crucial series to start the uh, week next week with four against the Giants. So we'll see where their separation is and who gets the advantage there. Worst possible scenario that could happen there is uh, they split that four-game set. Uh, they do begin that series on Monday. We'll see what happens and see if the Giants or Diamondbacks want to make any moves at the deadline or whatnot, but I think they need to. Padres, they've been 6-5 and five since the break. Uh, currently, uh, the Dodgers, they've been, uh, I'd say they've been pretty solid. They started out fine, started off four and two, but then, uh, they, well, even better than that, six and two, they, they dropped the final game of that Rangers series and, uh, the first game against the Blue Jays, but, you know, they, uh, walked it off. The other night, they'll finish up with Toronto, and then they got the uh, Reds this weekend, and they got a soft beginning of next week uh, before they place the Padres next weekend. And they got the A's coming up Tuesday through Thursday. Are the Dodgers? They currently four games up on the Diamondbacks and the Giants in the West right now, and the wild card's pretty thick. There in the NL, Reds half game up lead, like I mentioned. Diamondbacks, Giants holding on to that top spot. Phillies on the trail by a half game right now. Cubs only five games back. Like I said, middle ground there. You're not that bad enough to be complete sellers, but you're not that close enough to be complete buyers either. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what the Cubbies do uh, this weekend. Uh, before the break. Uh, yeah, I did put that down that uh, the other night with the Rangers and Astros. That was a great game. The Astros walking it off there. And, man, Aroldis Chapman just hates pitching in Minute Maid Park. Like, uh, of course, the now infamous incident with Jose Altuve in the playoffs a few years ago. And now he blows a lead there the other night. And uh, it was funny. Ellie De La Cruz quit trolling or testing this guy. Like, my goodness, Milwaukee, they found out the hard way, or at least the scoreboard or 
PA operator there in the first inning the other night. He was robbed of a home run. And then the next at bat, uh, the Brewers scoreboard operator in the third inning uh, put up on his graphic on the uh, big screen that he almost hit a home run in the first inning, but didn't. And then smacked one 456 feet over the fence, clearing everything. And then uh, last night, uh, hey, the scoreboard crew there in Milwaukee, they had some fun with it. And uh, they said last night that the scoreboard crew, when Ellie De La Cruz was up to bat on his graphic, the scoreboard crew has no further comment at this time. So smart there not to comment on Ellie's at bat there. I mean, come on. Didn't uh, Dave Martinez say they shouldn't test De La Cruz like that? So there you go. There's a look at Major League Baseball uh, there and as we inch closer to the deadline. All right, let's move on. Uh, golf. I put down the Open happened last weekend. That's about the extensive coverage that I had from it. I mean, uh, I told you last time that the uh, weather wasn't going to be great there overseas for the Open. And sure enough, it wasn't as it was a rain-filled Sunday and it ended up being a blowout. So, I mean, it's kind of a bummer that uh, it wasn't very exciting. It was rainy. Brian Har- uh, Harmon ended up winning, and he dominated 13-under uh, for the tournament. And that was better than Jason Day, uh, Kim, uh, Straka, and John Rahm all tied for a second place at 7-under. Uh, Rory finished with a 6-under, but... Honestly, that's about the extensive coverage that I saw. Look, the Open is tough to watch over in uh, Europe when it's overseas. Like, honestly, it's the weekend, man. I'm not getting up to that early to watch golf. I'll get up early to play golf, but I won't get up that early to watch golf. And I can't watch it on a tape delay or anything if you DVR it or whatnot. I just don't think sports are, are made for DVR viewing. There's so completely honest, didn't watch it at all. I mean, I saw him sink the final putt, but that's about it. I've already spent more time talking about it than I did watching the Open Championship. This week is the uh, Barracuda Championship in uh, California, if you're wondering. Probably a lot of people are taking this one off, though. Uh, The World Cup is happening, too. That's about the extensive coverage that I've seen of it. Not a lot of people talking about it, really. I don't really see it pop up on Twitter that much. I'll see it occasionally. I know that Messi had his Miami debut the other night, last night, and he had two goals for Inter Miami. Then he got taken out of the game, and, (laughs) well, the fans there just flooded out. They just open up the floodgates there and just pour it out of the uh, stadium once uh, Messi was done in the game. So there was that. 
Uh, let's see. What else do I have here? Oh, speaking of soccer, how about that uh, Mbappe deal? Getting some serious, potentially, uh, talked about some uh, serious money uh, there, like over a billion dollars just for one season? 700 million for like one season? crazy that is just insane money hey where do i sign that up i know it's blood money from saudi arabia but my goodness 700 million for one season (laughs) that's more money than i'll ever see in my life that's generational wealth for me my goodness uh but it looks like Mbappe's not gonna take it though uh, as i sit here right now uh scary situation the other day that came out with uh Uh, He suffered a a cardiac arrest there as he was working out at USC and uh, family released a statement saying that he was doing better now. But that was kind of a crazy situation that such a young lad right there uh, involved in cardiac arrest. But good that he's doing better now. Uh, all right. So the last thing uh, that I have here on the uh, docket is NASCAR and the playoff picture and NASCAR pick'em as well. And a quick update on the pick'em. I told you last week that I was going to post on our socials our picks for Pick'em because I had not received an email from Eric yet. And, well, I guess emails don't work that well in Cabo because I didn't hear from him on Wednesday and then I completely forgot about it and I completely forgot about Pick'em with some things that were going on this weekend for me and I remembered Pick'em on Sunday when I was tuning in to the race there at Pocono and I tuned into the race. I was like, all right, who am I looking out for? Who do I got this week? And trying to remember. <laughs> well, I can't remember because we didn't do pick them. Can you believe that? I mean, that's such a starting lineup thing to do. To be completely honest with you, I, can, I forgot about it. Eric was supposed to send in his picks, but I uh, forgot about it. So pick them didn't happen this week. And I will talk to Eric, I know for sure, tomorrow. So uh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything uh, about our picks. uh, But uh, we'll definitely be doing something potentially to make up for the missed week, the missed pick'em week this past week at Pocono. Uh, there and there were some fireworks there at uh, Pocono and a lot of things that were in the news during this race. We'll get to one in a second, but uh, how about Austin Dillon getting taken out of the race and then uh, voicing his displeasure or showing his displeasure by throwing his helmet at the person that he thought was responsible for his accident, Tyler Reddick. So that's always a highlight on ESPN that they show when someone chucks their helmet out of a car. That's what Austin Dillon did. And then the winner, Mr. Denny Hamlin. <laughs> he was involved in some stuff on track as, well, 
earlier in the race, or a little bit earlier than the uh, finish. Uh, Denny was involved with a altercation with Alex Bowman. Not the first time that showed on the broadcast not the first time that these two have been into it on the track this season as they've been involved in Atlanta they were involved in the Chicago race and they were involved again here this week and I'm no car expert or whatnot that's Eric's terrain but it didn't look like Denny Hamlin got into him it just looked like uh, Bowman got loose I don't know how the aerodynamics exactly work but it didn't look like to me that Denny touched him at all and uh, Bowman of course thought that Denny intentionally did it and intentionally wrecked him even though I didn't really see any contact on the replay and uh, the announcers there on him on well it's the NBC crew but it was on USA they didn't think that it was that Denny wrecked him uh, there they just thought that Bowman got loose but everyone had their opinions on the end of the race there as uh, towards the end Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson were battling for the lead and it just so happened just like a year ago when Denny Hamlin was involved with Ross Chastain and put Ross into the wall Denny kind of sort of puts Kyle Larson into the wall not completely wrecking him but putting him in the wall just enough scraping it to uh, slow him down can't remember if uh, Larson said after the race if that moment right there uh, he wasn't the same after that or if it was the time before he wrecked in the race but uh, Denny involved in a another altercation here on the track and the uh, fans well they voiced their displeasure there at uh, Pocono and they booed him uh, I also think it had a little bit to do with the end of the race uh, it technically entered, ended under caution as uh, someone spun out there on the back stretch, or not really technically the back stretch. I think one of the corners there, or one of the straightaways to uh, one of the corners there, since it was a triangle at Pocono. They couldn't get it fired back up, and uh, NASCAR tried. Uh, he tried. They tried to get it fired up, but just couldn't get the car restarted there, and it was definitely in harm's way so when nascar threw the caution up and uh denny had already taken the white flag at that point so uh once the white flag goes up and it gets thrown down if a caution comes out the race is over and that's exactly what happened there as uh denny hamlin was awarded another uh pocono victory he's had great success uh, in his career here at pocono and last year he won it but was later disqualified as i mentioned uh last wednesday uh but a lot of people not in love with denny hamlin's move uh, against a more popular guy than ross was and i'll have to say i'm done i'm done i'm done with denny hamlin i'm tired of his antics i'm tired of him talking on his podcast I'm tired of Kyle Larson said it perfectly in his post-race interview. He said that they were friends and they run in the same friend circles and him and his friend circles always know that Denny's always right. And he knows that he will be this time and he's never came up and apologized for anything that's happened on the track. 
And that's exactly who Denny Hamlin is. Uh, he's a guy that never does anything wrong. And he said it after the race. He said of Bowman and Larson, they wrecked themselves. Okay, I see on the Bowman spin out, but what about that with Larson? You just did it. The same exact move last year when you put Ross up into the wall. And it was even worse because Ross completely wrecked out there. And the only reason that was different was because it was Ross Chastain and that you guys have been into it multiple times before. That's the only difference here. And this is why I think that he's getting some backlash from uh, some fans here that he did it to someone not named Ross Chastain. Uh, I'm done with him. I'm tired of it. Uh, I'm tired of the attitude that Denny Hamlin uh, carries, and he does nothing wrong when he does something like this. But uh, when a guy like Ross or if he ever gets upended by someone, it's always their fault. It's nothing that he does wrong. And let's look at the analytics and whatnot and see if I let off the gas or whatnot. And, hey, this is just racing there, pal. I'm done with him. I am done with Denny Hamlin, and I'm hoping after this incident, NASCAR fans are done with him too. If NASCAR needs a villain, it looks like Denny Hamlin will be just fine embracing it. I know he embraced his disqualification last year by popping the champagne bottle with a trophy and whatnot, but through with you, Denny Hamlin. Big thumbs down to you, sir, your public enemy number one in the NASCAR world as far as I'm concerned. And I think Denny, when he got out of the car, he kind of embraced the booze from the fans. So I think he's just going to embrace it. And I don't know what he said on his podcast. And quite frankly, I don't care because I don't have I don't want to hear anything that Denny Hamlin has to say. He's always right anyways. So I'm washing my hands with Denny Hamlin. If you're a Denny Hamlin fan, I'm sorry. Uh, But let's take a look at the uh, standings after uh, Pocono. Uh, William Byron is uh, still at the uh, top with uh, four wins. Uh, Martin Trix Jr. is still in uh, second place. Uh, He has three wins. Kyle Busch also with three wins as well. Uh, Denny now moves up into a fourth place technically with those two wins. Uh, Kyle Larson, the man that he was involved with there, he also has a couple wins. He's in fifth. Uh, Christopher Bell, he is in a sixth place now. Uh, Ross Chastain is seventh. Ryan Blaney, eighth. Joe Logano, ninth. Tyler Reddick, tenth. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 11th. And those 11 drivers are automatically locked in to the playoffs as of now with five races to go since they all have wins on their resume this season. The uh, drivers uh, that are on the outside of being officially locked in, uh, of course, 16 spots are up for grabs in the NASCAR playoffs. Currently right now, Kevin Harvick is in 12th. He's a plus 163 in 12th. Brad Keselowski in 13th, plus 122 in points. 14th is Chris Buescher, plus 111 in points. And then it gets a little closer there with Bubba Wallace, plus 27 in 15th. And Michael McDowell holding on to a 16th place, plus 17 in points there. And uh, Bubba and Michael McDowell actually improved their odds as uh, Bubba Wallace is only up two coming into Pocono. And Michael McDowell is only one point 
ahead there. So they've increased their chances there. Curly on the outside looking in. A.J. Allmendinger there in a 17th place, currently a 17 points back. Daniel Suarez, minus 23. Ty Gibbs in 19th, minus 28. Alex Bowman, minus 46, and the most popular driver in NASCAR, Chase Elliott. I mentioned last week that he was minus 60 points for the playoffs. Well, didn't do a whole lot of good for him uh, in Pocono as he's now 56 points behind. So lots and lots of ground to uh, make up with five races to go here before the uh, playoffs get locked in there. So a lot of ground he has to make up. And uh, currently uh, this week they're running in Richmond there. And uh, this week for the race with five races to go. We got Michigan uh, the weekend after this. We got the Indy Road Course, Watkins Glen, another road course, and a finish with Daytona before the playoffs officially begin there in NASCAR. So uh, stay tuned to the uh, podcast for uh, our NASCAR expert to return to the uh, program and get his thoughts on this Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson situation and the playoff situation there as well and see if it's just too much points for uh, Chase Elliott to make up or if one of these other drivers, Harvick, Kozlowski, Busher, Wallace can clinch it with getting a win or Almendinger, Suarez, Gibbs, Bowman all could get in as well with wins as well in the uh, coming weeks as I believe uh, the defending champion is uh, this week is uh, Kevin Harvick, who won last year. I know for sure he lost, or he won last year in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, he won uh, at Michigan, and then the following week he uh, won at Richmond. They're just flip-flopping the races around uh, this year uh, there. So uh, Kevin Harvick, next two weeks, he could solidify himself in the uh, points department if he could uh, get a win and officially clinch but we'll have to wait and see and we'll have to uh, wait and see what the starting lineup does about pick them so make sure to uh, stick around for that all right i think that clears the deck and i think that uh, does it here for me i'll quit rambling on and on here again might have to have an emergency pod depending on the outcome of the uh, trade deadline and uh, that is my cue to uh, get out of here and uh, so we will talk to you next week and hopefully Eric will be back next week as well on the show so again thanks for listening thanks for downloading until next week hey till next month that's when we'll talk to you again have a good one peace out